0: Pulp MX Network
1: Production. Pulp fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code Pulp at BTOSports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases.
0: It's the BTOSports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing racerxonline.com
1: The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis.
2: Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing, thank you everybody for listening. Appreciate it. I'm Steve Mathis, as usual. Btosports.com, use the code PULPMX when you're checking out to save yourself money. Great guys, btosports.com, KTM team with Short and Brayton, of course. And uh, best prices around, free international shipping over a certain amount. And uh, they carry all the products you need, including some OEM parts. And Fox Racing, foxhead.com, visit your local authorized Fox dealer. If your dealer is not a Fox dealer, you should probably change dealers, because Foxhead.com, some of the global innovation leader, motocross racewear, Dungy Rocks, and some of the guys that wear Fox Racing. Like I said, I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line. A legend, uh, 1985, 125 national champion, uh, motocross, the Nations champion, factory Kawasaki, factory Honda, factory Yamaha. The great Ron Lachine. What's up, dogger? <laughs>
1: What's happening, Steve? Good to be on board with you,
2: man. You like that intro? That was good, man. You're you are polished, man. It's uh, it's always funny, like I do these podcasts with Stu or Reed or whatever, but I just really like talking to guys like you. I'd rather just do the that. old school.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the old school Dogger <laughs> 500 KX. It right. was pretty cool watching uh, the GP last week. I actually just, one of my buddies that I took to the Motocross Nations in 88 was over at my house uh, at lunch today, and I was like, man, did you see that race last week from France? I'm like, check this out. Or actually, I didn't tell him it was France. I go, hey, do you recognize this track? And he's like,
2: yeah. That looks like the the, the nations track from France, and I'm like, that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time they went back in a, a forever, I think, right? And yeah, uh,
1: I was super surprised when I heard they were going back. So I'm like, man, I gotta gotta you know DVR it so I can kind of check it out and right. uh, yeah, you it, can you can still kind of tell it's pretty different than what it was then, but you can still kind of see the lay of the land.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you how much different was it because uh, I and it's funny because. You know, back in the day, you guys went there and you had one of your best races, your career maybe there, and um, the guys, the GP guys, hated it. They all hated the track. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, looking at it, it looks just like the stuff I used to practice on, which it was when when we raced there, super hard and right, slick, right? Um, you know, big hills, and I mean, it looks like the kind of stuff that we used to practice on out in the out in the hills here in uh, yeah. East County, San Diego. But you know, it looks like they moved the start, and um, you know, it's it's definitely quite mm-hmm. a bit different looking. But the you know the big downhill jump was still kind of in there, and and I can kind of tell where where the old track used to be. And you uh, know, it was funny I was watching the race, and and in the background. You can see there's a freeway that drives by, and that's uh you know the day or you know the, mm-hmm. the day we got into France or got into the town. Me and my buddy uh, that was just over at lunch day we went, man, let's go see if we can find the track. And we were just driving down this freeway, and we looked to the right and it was like, oh, there it is, <laughs> man! Just this badass track on the side of the hill, all the grass. It's like, so I could see that road, and I'm like, man, I remember driving down that road that day, seeing that track, and yeah, Here, it was cool.
2: Here's how things have changed. I think you told me one time you went to that race. You'd gone to uh, Amsterdam and Holland for these supercross races. Right. And then went over to, to France for the designations. Um, that's correct. Yeah. Nowadays, like, it's like, Hey, we're going early, everybody on the same flights. We're going to practice before the designations. You know, we're all team. We're going to do these dinners. And you're like, Hey Roger, I'm going to these races. Yeah. I'll just meet you in France.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he was actually on my flight to, uh, we all left together to go to Amsterdam cause he okay. was on my flight um, to Amsterdam and Wardy, and so some of the guys were probably racing that Amsterdam Supercross as well, mm-hmm. or going other places. I think Mickey Diamond was on there too, so he might have been just doing the right. the Amsterdam Supercross, and then we kind of peeled out and went went to uh, to France. But yeah, it's funny. I was just reading an uh, some random article on DeCoster. Um, I can't remember what it was in, uh, mm-hmm. just a couple weeks ago, and I think I might have read it once before. But he he talks about the night before the Motocross <laughs> the Nations in '88, and I was like, "Oh man!" He's like, "Man, dogger, there's like one parking spot," and he's like, "Where is he? We're, you know, the race is tomorrow." And, <laughs> um, I'm yeah. out in the out in the hills in the car with some blonde-haired girl that I, I, <laughs> I met know. there that showed up. It's and an all-time.
2: Like, all right, Roger, don't worry, man. It's an all-timer. And then they walked out of the hotel, and you were pulling up, and you dropped your seat back so they wouldn't see. You. <laughs> you you're like dude i got the, like. i got this uh <laughs> right? but really that race probably does that that france uh, track that G- 88 gp uh Disney nations. i mean the one where the gp was at that probably does rank as maybe your greatest race ever i mean the everyone in the world was there and you you worked them
1: yeah i mean i guess uh, you know for me it really um doesn't feel like it was my greatest race ever because you know okay. not to be not to be belittling and everything, but it was kind of easy for me. You know, the only right. real competition I had was leesk and I knew I had him covered. And, you know, there might have been, like, Keys, Vandervin, and, right. you know, Caravelle and a couple other guys, but it, at that time it was like they weren't even on my, you know, yeah, on my yeah. radar screen. So, you know, the guys that I was worried about were Ricky and Wardy, and they were on my team, and they were riding smaller bikes. So I was like, you know, as long as I just stay smooth and ride smart, you know, right. I got this covered pretty easy. So that's, to me, I mean, some of the other races that really mean a lot to me are ones that, you know, were a little bit harder to win, maybe like uh, Millville 83 when I battled really hard with Barnett or, um, you know, maybe uh, even San Diego Supercross. I mean, you know, that was a big win for me, but, you know, I, I guess... You know, looking back, I mean, the prestige of that event, and, and don't get me wrong, going first, you know, 1-1 and with right, the number right. one plate and leading the team mm-hmm. was a pretty big deal for me, for sure.
2: Yeah, no, you got a point. You're right. The, the, the gap was way bigger than it is now. Right.
1: Um, yeah, well, I was just talking to Eric Johnson about it the other day, and we were kind of reminiscing about it. And it's just they just didn't have the depth of riders back then. There was there was you know what there was teams that had one guy or maybe two that were decent, right. But none of them had three decent guys. They just didn't have the depth of the. Of fast guys like they do now yeah
2: yeah really that's true right? I i don't want to sound like i'm a soothsayer here but in 09 i went to the germany gp roxson was a 15 year old and he'd only raced a couple races muscan was the world champion in the mx2 class and anyways i went there and i, and I a, a while ago I, after this nation's loss the last time i pulled up my my report because i wanted to take some text from it and i wrote in the report that if you watch the mx2 class in in 2009 it looked like an American national as far as scrubbing, technique, aggressiveness. Like these guys, they weren't the old stodgy Euro style that like you had to deal with. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these guys are all, they got all the videos. They watch the races. There's nothing really to separate these kids from Europe to, to American kids these days
1: yeah they've definitely they've stepped it up number one and they're riding tracks that are that are tougher and like i said there's mm-hmm. more guys now so there's they've got a they've got three good guys on the right. team now so it's you know and 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 i told e j the other day too i just i don't feel like we've sent and i don't i think a lot of people think that we're you know we haven't sent our Full A team the last few years. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't sent Villapoto. We, you know, Stewart hasn't really went. You know, I mean, you know, and Dungy's kind of a, you know, do you ride it every week? He's a diesel. He's not the kind of guy that's going to just go crazy and try to get to the front. And if he gets a bad start, we're screwed. You know.
2: Also, too, and I've written this and talked about this. I want to see Roger. First of all, he's got something with Stewart. He doesn't feel he's reliable. Doesn't feel like he can trust him. And. I don't know if Roger will ever pick Stewart. A little personal, you know, issues there, which isn't great, but whatever. I also don't feel like back in your day, I mean, Wardy in 88, Wardy rode a 125. In 87, Hannah stepped down. In um, 86, Omera did it. Point is, Mm -hmm. and, you know, last year, Caroli did it. He's done it a couple years for Italy. Um, uh, One of the guys from uh, Russian, Tonkov, jumped up this year to the 350. we need to just send three good guys and figure it out. And I don't want to bag on Jeremy Martin or Blake Baggett or these 250F guys, but, like, Jeremy Martin, that's the first time he'd ever even been to Europe. And you want to yeah, send him I to know. the – put him on a, you know, across the nation's team? Send Canard, Tomac, Dungey, you know, and put one of you one of you guys has to ride the small bike and too bad yeah. you know what i mean we don't yeah, see somebody's that he's got to
1: bite the bullet yeah somebody right. has to take one for the team and just go down And and yeah i'm kind of bummed that stewart's never gone because he's the kind of explosive guy and <laughs> he's the kind of guy that would step up because of what it was and he would just do whatever right. it takes to win
2: well he went he, he went in 08 he crashed well, out I of mean, one yeah yeah right exactly he hasn't gone since 08 it's a long time yeah. ago you know so yeah. anyways um hey how's things at maxima oils how's everything doing good we're yep. super
1: busy like i said uh it's hard to try to work some time in but you know it's kind of hit and miss um mm-hmm. you know i guess like with mammoth coming up it's been super busy but um you know um we're doing really well we're expanding we, you know we've got some uh we've got some new automotive lines that are starting to catch catch traction and mm-hmm. and getting some good uh some good stuff going there and then we've also just launched a, a mountain bike bicycle line that, yeah. as well so yeah. yeah so that's that's starting to move a little bit and uh, yeah things are good i can't can't uh, can't complain super pumped on the brand and
0: good.
1: and the exposure we're getting um you know we're we we uh you know we still stuck with the cowie team and uh, right. hopefully next year we'll be getting uh, some more podiums and some more wins with uh with Mac mm-hmm. and uh and who knows? And hopefully PC will be doing a little better. But we're, uh, you know, we still feel like we've got the best teams out there, and we're just, you know, we're struggling a little bit this year with, does, with wins and stuff. But let me know, ask you the this: oils you, are working good.
2: Yeah, you're the marketing guy, sort of over there too. Um, let me ask you this: does that does that really matter for an oil company podiums and that kind of stuff? I mean, it does matter for you, for Danny. Everybody wants to do well. You know what I mean? It's a company pride thing. But I'm talking like sales or brand visibility i mean it's oil everyone needs it everyone's going to buy it and maxima certainly you guys have been making some of the best stuff out there but does it matter does that help your sales well i
1: think it helps okay obviously you've got something to talk about you've got something to advertise yeah um you know it proves the you know the durability and the performance and the you know it's just brand recognition being at the top and it's just something we've always built on we've always built our our brand on you know winning and being the top lubricant and and you know you're gonna have your good years and you're, I mean obviously we rode the Villapoto way forever and, and uh, <laughs> right. just killed it so yeah. um you know you're gonna have your years and you're not you know and gonna have some other ones but uh, you know obviously people. Uh, recognize the brand and recognize that uh, you know the quality of the brand and and uh, you know i think right. people that know and have used it. i mean we've been the heritage is deep so yeah you know it's well recognizable and people are when they go into the motorcycle shops you know they're they're probably going to grab you know maxima as long as uh yeah. as long as they know what they're doing
2: uh how many titles do you have do you even know Do you have any idea? I have no. We
1: used to have that 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 show. You know, we used to have the number one plates uh, that we'd put up for the shows. Right, uh, right. Oh my god, we have a we have a ton of them (laughs) and. uh, yeah, it's been a good ride. You know, the the company's done well, and it's still growing, and like I said, branching off into these yeah. other markets and um, other types of racing, and, you know, like we've got uh, Jason Line, you know, for the Summit team in, in uh, Pro Stock, and it's just, you know, my dad gets really tickled about that when, you know, Jason right. wins and gets on, either on the cover of the, you know, the drag racing magazine with Maximon on and stuff, and, you know, because my dad does win his drag, and, yeah. you know, he came yeah. from that, so... It's kind of cool, so he really likes that and stuff.
2: How much does uh your dad dick? How much does he check in on you? make sure you're not de- destroying things how How does that go
1: <laughs> yeah he's pretty well checked out now okay, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. like I said he's fully retired right and now. uh he's 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 out he's been bought out of the company, so he's still on board as you know uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know just he's still there talking and and uh Chatting with Danny and doing some R and D work with the automotive stuff and everything, but he's he's yeah. basically retired over to Kingman and doing his vintage drag racing stuff and uh, right on. And but
2: you know. um, hey, so one of the reasons I want to talk to you about was uh, the Unadilla Motocross re- re- Rewind thing that you went to. Um, talk about it, man! You went over to this thing's been a growing event. It's kind of like that English motocross, Vet Motocross the Nations event. Like it's growing and growing and some dudes are coming out of retirement and dusting off the leathers and, and lining up. And so talk about it a little bit. What, who contacted you? How'd it go? What'd you ride and all that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I went a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, it's, it's also, it's an ARMA event in conjunction with the legends and heroes, mm-hmm. uh, tour. So Alex, um, Moros and Carol, um, are the ones that contacted me. I've done it, 2 years um this is the third year I've done it and I missed last year so this is the the fourth year and I missed one year and uh it's just a really neat event you know and it's uh like I said they run it in conjunction with the Arma event and um you know, I've got some uh, friends from Canada. You know, up in your area, that yeah. uh, that uh, Oscar Gayton and and uh, Ron Harton and some of those guys that uh, they they kind of buy in to help cover the expenses for oh, okay. the legend guys, yep. and then they we get like on a team, and they have like a team cup race, and they have points and mm-hmm. this kind of stuff to uh, to uh, to have the winner of this team cup event. And uh, so there was some uh, this year. There was some. Uh, a team race where I did a couple laps, and then we passed off like an armband, and right. uh, and we actually were leading that going into the last lap, and then uh, one of the other teams, I think it was Chuck Sun's team, uh, handed off the the scrunchie mm-hmm. to uh, Dakota Kessler, so we were we oh. were in trouble there. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> like, wait a minute, this kid's actually. <laughs>
1: Yeah, racing nationals, right? right? So, right. yeah, he he went by us there on the last lap, and we got second in that race. But, um, yeah, so I ride some of Oscar's bikes. Um, you know, and a lot of people say, hey, you know, shoot, so you're still a factory rider. You know, I got Oscar's stuff is really good. Oh, and, uh, is it? Yeah. It's, it's a 19, yeah, it's a 1973 Can-Am 250, no. um, but it really runs good, and yeah. he's got the thing really dialed in. So. yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun and I like hanging out with those guys and and all the other guys there. there's a lot of people that you know have um, you know restored bikes mm-hmm, and, yeah. and you yes. know and they all want to just bring them and have people check them out and they want to have you know there was a couple haunt there was a uh 84 CR250 Honda that was like a replica. Of the bike I rode there in Unadilla. At the I saw that USGP. Yeah. yeah, that thing was really nice. Hey, hey,
2: the guy did a good job on it. Like it looked good. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I slept in a little bit on uh, Sunday morning, and I guess they had it out there. They wanted me to ride a parade lap with it in the, <laughs> on the morning on Sunday, but oh, after uh, after my motos on Saturday, I d- I did pretty well. I I won the first moto in the in the in the 14 over vintage. Um, against Stratton and uh, and Dowd. I think Dowd had some problem with his bike or something, and mm-hmm. uh, I had Stratton breathing down my neck pretty much the whole race. <laughs> right. and uh, So then we did the team race in the intermission, and we got second in that with my Canadian team, and then I came back for the second moto, and something had happened to Stratton's bike, which I was kind of chuckling about because <laughs> we've been going back and forth since a couple years ago. I, I beat him in the first oh, moto yeah, a couple yeah. years ago. And then he wanted to, uh, you know, he wanted revenge and stuff, right, so right. I was like, you know, I, and I, I think we went to the beer tent, and I had a beer, and he's like, dude, we're lining up for the second moto, and I'm like, eh, I'm not sure I'm going to race. He's like, oh, man, come on, you know, I really want to, you know, right, right. battle you, and I'm like, nah, that's cool, dude, you got it. So ever since then, he's just wanted a piece of me, so... Um, So I got him in the first moto again, which was cool, and I was ready for the second moto. And then something happened to his bike in one of the other races, and and he had to ride some like an Elsinore or something. So he didn't have quite the bike for the second moto. But uh, Dowd got his stuff together, and he was all over me in the second moto. And I I ended up holding him off, too. Hey,
2: that's pretty good, though. Yeah, Yeah, I was pretty stoked. Dowdy's, Dowdy's no joke. It wasn't that long ago that he was doing pretty well. National's, yeah, you
1: know, yeah. Like I said, I had him breathing down my neck pretty hard in that second moto, and uh, you know, I wasn't sure if it was Dowd or Stratton. I really didn't want to look back to (laughs) because because he didn't finish. He had no not a decent finish in the first motor so if I had to look back and see it was down I would just went oh yeah go ahead but right, right, I just kept right. my head down and and assumed it was stratton and just wanted to try to beat him and yeah boy after that my back's been sore ever since I mean it's <laughs> I don't know if, man It's just sitting down on those bikes and yeah. you know because the track they don't really do anything to change the track it's not vintage friendly and you know jumping that sky shot and landed about three quarters of the way on the flat yeah and, you know, jumping out of gravity cavity, and I mean, it's you know, huh. if you're going to ride them hard, you're gonna, it's going to oh, take I a toll on you.
2: I saw a photo of Coops like last year or the year before. I mean, he's on some seventy three Can Am or something, and he is launching it out of gravity cavity,
1: like. Yeah, well, he rode the bike. He rode Oscar's bike last year, and I guess Oscar said he broke the frame <laughs> and stretched the thing out and all this <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I, I'm. I actually, I rode a KX five hundred in a couple of the other races. And I jumped that thing a couple times on the KX, but I still was like, mm, I don't yeah. know, man. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not totally feeling it, even on the KX 500." So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you slept in in '88 and missed the 125 USGP, and you slept in in 2015. Missed your, exactly. missed your parade lap. <laughs>
1: guess that's my mo (laughs) exactly right nothing changes quite the same mo as it used to be in but that was nice we had a nice room and like i said it was super nice weather back there and me and the wife uh you know we had a little jacuzzi tub in our room and it was nice
2: um you uh you wrote she wrote the 500 kx 500 too um, yep, and you rode yep. one at, motocro- at the Vet motocross of nations, of course. That didn't go as well as you'd like to. But what's it like getting on? And oh, also too, you rode one for Dirt Rider magazine. It broke too. So, um, <laughs> you yeah. Remember? Well,
1: the bike I rode was um, was Rory O'Neill's bike. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, Rory. Yeah, um, yeah, Bridgestone. Yeah, yeah, Rory. He
1: was there, and he had a bike. He was there for Bridgestone, and he had a like I think it, whatever year they had the purple gas tank. Oh yeah. And he had a bike there. It looked kind of like Wardy's had number three on everything. And I was checking it out. I thought, man, it looked pretty. Pretty cool and he's all well you can ride it if you want and i go okay well i've already got this other bike that the mm-hmm. canadians had for me and and so i ran over to you know we were next race up or whatever i went over to get on the the bike uh the canadians had and the fork seal had blown and there was oil all over the, oh, the yeah, yeah. Front brake so he's like oh man we can't ride this so i i mean we're basically on the line and i haul ass over and jump on that 500 and kick it and it started and i rode over to rory and i said dude this thing got gas you know is it good to go and he <laughs> put some gas in it and said go yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's i never even rode it and then i just took a gate drop and and went and figured it out but you know i i definitely kept it in the back of my head what happened last time i got on a kx 500 <laughs> right, and, right. and yeah and tuned it down a little bit you know the stratton and uh and Dal were riding pretty good in in that in that race and right. i was like man I'm, I'm feeling trying to keep up with those guys on this bike
2: What's it like? Uh, look, a lot of people remember you from 500 days, and you were you had some great motos, and and you were a great 500 rider. Jumping on them now, and you ride all the time. You're on a Cali 450. You know what I mean. You're still racing and everything, but jumping on these 500s now, like, do you? I mean, obviously you had a factory bike and everything else, but do you think like, what was I thinking? Boy, this thing is sweet. Like, what are your thoughts about getting on a 500 now?
1: Mm. <laughs> well, like I said, they got it got pretty scary after the England thing, and this time I I had it in the back of my head to. You know, I think if I could go out, and if I owned the bike and I could set it up and do the suspension and right. get it how I like it, um, it probably would be a whole different story. But to just jump on one and, you know, the thing was sagging pretty bad in the back so it's not turning right and, you know, the power's there. But, you yeah. know, I think, you know, back in the day we used to actually tame those things down just so you could get them to, yeah. to hook up because they hit so hard on the bottom when they're stocked. You can't. I mean, it just lights the tire up, and you know, right. so you need you need to put some uh, flywheel weight on them and get them to where they're rideable. You know, there's just to mellow the power out mm-hmm. and not so it doesn't yank your arms off. Did you uh,
2: did you, Did you like Unadilla when you raced it? And obviously, you won the GP there in '84. You uh, broke my heart because I think Bomber. I think you went three one, and Bomber went one five, and Bomber was my favorite rider ever. But um, <laughs> uh, did you like Unadilla? What do you think of the, tra- the track?
1: I do like Unadilla. Uh the Robinsons do a great job there. I, I really mm-hmm. had a great time with Jill and um you know, sorry to hear about uh the, I think the mother there yeah. passed away or something near just not too long ago so that was kinda sad. But they do a really good job with the track and um, man the dirt's just killer and, yeah. and um and it's a really fun layout, like I said it, it's still, you know, mm-hmm. modern modern bike, you know, built so it's pretty hard to ride the vintage stuff on it, um, right. without, you know, a lot of really hard landings, but like I said, the dirt's bitching, you know, I, it's nice to just take a, you know, I think I took five great gate drops and whole shotted maybe two or three of the, you know, so yeah, the yeah. first turn and all that stuff. It's just, I mean, it's got a, you know, it's got a lure to it and a history and it's fun to just take a, take a start. I mean, the one team race we did, I think mm-hmm. I almost, I got the first turn first, but Kessler got me like, you know, going right. to the second turn right down that main straightway. But man, I went in there first and I'm like, man, here it is. It was yeah. Like yeah. back in the day, you know?
2: Well, they took out that, so. uh, they took out the, the downhill part of it. I always thought that was awesome. You know, you come out of the gate and you used to go down and then back up, right? And now it's all flat. It
1: still kind of does. Yeah. It still a little goes bit. down a little bit.
2: Not nearly as much. I don't ever as...
1: remember it
2: oh, yeah. going down a lot. Oh, it did compared to what it does now, for sure. Because I've been going there for so mm. long now. But, but yeah, it is Unadilla. It's still Unadilla, right? I mean,. Um, yeah,
1: some of the people I was talking to there, I mean, when we used to go there, they would it would just be grass. Yeah. They wouldn't groom it. They wouldn't do nothing to it. We'd start practice, and there would be like a line maybe five feet wide. And then as the weekend went, it, the track would be like 40 feet wide. You'd right. just, you start looking for lines. And, and you know, I think the way it's set up and the way they um, groomed it, I mean, they didn't really groom it back in the day.
2: Right. Yeah, I had a it's, somebody tell me, like Dan Bentley or somebody, like you used to have to clean your radiators because they were packed with grass. The grass was that tall, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, it was like three, four feet tall. I remember going there, and it just, you know, looked, you know, there were stakes where the track went, but the grass was freaking three, right. four feet high. So, right.
2: what, uh, what do you remember from the, your USGP win there, uh, 84? I mean, you were pre- pretty yeah. young and stuff. You know, but, I, yeah. What do you remember? Yeah,
1: I mean, I remember that we had some really good bikes, and, um, and it was tough, you know. Um, I, I think I might have lucked out, to be honest with you. I think somebody ran out of gas. If I remember correctly, either O'Mara or somebody, I don't know. No. But, I mean I was riding I think somebody ran out of gas.
2: I don't think so. I think that O'Mara I think ran out so. of gas and let let Hannah won. Hannah won one when O'Mara ran out of gas, but
1: hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean it was uh it was a good race for me. Mm-hmm. Um to be honest, I kinda remember the trophy girl to be honest with you. <laughs> of course, You're you some do, older... right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Some older hot chick and I think I got the tongue kisser and everything and it was like the baddest ever. But and the Hill people, holy shit! Right man, when I went there, where the Hill people were just crazy. The fans were insane back in the day.
2: Yeah, I've heard insane. stories. I've heard stories. Just fireworks, right? Lighting things on fire, couches. Um, mm. Yeah, just I, I mean
1: I can't. Yeah, I think that. they stay they stay up all night and drink and party and just cause. And then in the next day, they just right. roll it right into the moto and just man, they're hanging over the fence just belligerent and,
2: and they love some bob Hanna. they love some bob <laughs> <Right>. hannah
1: <laughs> don't mess with bob hannah i like those stories from the u.s or the motocross nations. there when it's muddy and they're like out there just Moving pulling the, the banners yeah. back and
2: they go over here you know right. come over here and yeah really the, um
1: the home team advantage there so it
2: sounds like you rode a lot at Unadilla. like uh like i got a lot of races in
1: yeah i did like i said i, I rode more than i did um the last time i was there and um to be honest with you, I didn't think after that first moto on the vintage bike I was going to be able to ride at all because my back when I got into the oh, truck, yeah, yeah. my back was just killing me. And I don't know if I've, uh, I've if I've got some kind of a compressed vertebrae or something in my lower back. But mm-hmm. you know, I ended up just going fishing this last weekend, and I have a little XR 100 that I ride, and I have a backpack strap with my tube and all this shit on my back. And man, I I kind of hurt it again, so. Um, oh. it's definitely sore from riding that yeah. can Am. Oh,
2: I bet. <laughs> what well, yeah. What's it like to ride one of those things? How was it? All right. It, you said it was a shape. Right? I
1: actually like it. Like I said, it's, it's set up mm-hmm. really nice. Um, Oscar, man, he, like I said, he's meticulous with that bike. It runs really hard and mm-hmm. it's, it turns pretty good. I mean, they're super skinny. You know, the tank on them is like, I don't know, it's about two feet long and it's about right. six inches wide. Yeah. So it's easy to turn and, um. You know, it's got decent brakes and stuff. I actually didn't ride the bike in practice because it was super muddy, and I went and rode the Honda that I was supposed to ride in the team race. I think it was like a 95 250. I went mm-hmm. out in practice. Just to kind of see where the track went because right. it had rained pretty hard the night before, and then I took Oscar took me out into the back down there and by the pond and and we did a, you know did some starts and just kind of got used to the got the brakes set and everything. Man, the only thing that really sucks on those things is the brakes. They get the you know yeah. drum brakes and if you get the thing cranked in hard enough to where you can get the wheel to to you know. To stop. Mm-hmm. Then it starts dragging, and you know it's just those right. drum brakes. I mean, you're so used to disc these days, and you know I want the thing to lock up. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Every time
1: I get it to lock up, then I ride it. You know, I just did a little circle track for a while to get used to how it turned and the throttle, and, and do some starts and stuff. And then every time I do about two or three turns, then all of a sudden there, I'm like, what happened to the brakes? It was locking up a minute ago, and <laughs> yeah. have to go a couple more cranks in on the yeah. on the on the deal to try to get the thing to lock up. But well, did yeah, you ever, it worked out pretty cool?
2: Did you ever? see my, that video i did where i built that 90 cowie 250 and chicken wrote it and nick way wrote it did i ever show you that i don't think so okay i built a 90 cowie 250 and, and because it was just one year past your air otherwise i definitely would have called you but chicken loved it right he almost won the supercross title on that one and um mm-hmm. so i built it all up i'll send you when we're done i hung up i'll send you the video and everything but so they wrote it a milestone nick way and chicken moto down on this thing for a little racer x video and they cool. they wrote four strokes all the time. They both were like, man, I cannot believe how good this thing turns because, you know, when you've been riding a 450 for a while, that thing just wants to go straight. The the Mm-mm. two-stroke, they're like, man, I could just stop, turn it, lean it over. It just It's responsive. I could just carve inside, outside, wherever I wanted to go, the thing just turned, you know, and I think that's something we we all forget about these two-strokes.
1: Well, like I said, I really, the the, the Can-Am is super fun to ride, and, and if if the track would have been tamed down a little bit where I didn't have to launch, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you haul ass down into gravity cavity, I mean, you know, I wasn't going to break at the top, so you fly out of that thing, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, great, you yeah. know, 20, 30, 40 feet, and I'm flat landing the thing, I'm uh, like, oh. That's when you're... But uh... it was fun, fun to turn, you know, the yeah. thing runs really hard, and... uh I got to thank Oscar Gaten for like the yeah. enemy the works bike. Plus it's super hard to start so he's following me all around <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, got to be at the gate, man, to help me start this thing cuz, you know, it's right. kind of they're kind of quirky so.
2: You're like, dude, I'm on the machine. I can't grab the brakes at the top of gravity cavity. I just can't. Like that's not going yeah. <laughs> to. People it was,
1: wasn't going to happen, especially <laughs> when I had Stratton breathing down my neck. Right. Doubt. I'm like, I'm riding this thing hard. And, yeah, it was fun. Just shooting the shit with those guys and hanging out with them. I've never had a chance to really, you know, I met bruce there a couple years ago and and we hit it off pretty good and uh you know he's a super nice guy and and i I really like you know bench racing with him and hanging out and then this year when dowd was there i mean uh, those guys are all back east i asked john i said you know how often you come out to california you you know you come to anaheim or anything and he said he never comes out here and i'm thinking well that's probably why i've never really got a chance to hang out with him or chat with him you know outside of racing and it was uh it was, uh, it was super cool to get to hang with those guys and get to know them a little better um, you know, at the track yeah. but also away from it.
2: Yeah, my first couple years as a mechanic, 96, 97, Bruce was national number 50, 45, you know, somewhere around there. And I hung out with him quite a bit because he was buddies with Shane Drew. So I got to know Bruce well, and yeah, great guy. Nice guy.
1: And, yeah, uh, kind of, I do like him. He's, he's fun to hang out with, and he's really fun to, you know, because we got this little rivalry going. <laughs> right, it, right. It's pretty funny. He kicked my ass on the – he had a 480 Honda, and like I said, him and – him and Dowdy got me pretty good when we got on the 500s, but right, I was right. like, I was definitely a little timid. I was like, I am not going to throw myself on the ground ah. again like I did last time. I mean, those <laughs> bikes are just fast enough to get you in trouble. Right?
2: How the tables have turned because back in the day, you'd whoop them on a 500. You know, I mean, now you beat them on the Can-Am, but you can't beat them on the 500.
1: <laughs> well, like I said, yeah. I think if I had my, you know, if it was a bike that I had rode and I was right. comfortable on it and stuff, it would been, it have been a different story. But I just wasn't. I wasn't uh, ready to, to go hang it out. I I got some pictures. When I got back, I sent Bruce, a, emailed him a picture and said, here, just a little rem- reminder and a picture of me ahead of him throwing dirt on him. And he, nice. he sent me one back. Here, there's another little reminder for you. And it was a picture of him roosting me on the KX. And I'm looking at the bike, and I'm like, God, that thing's sagging so bad. And the right. back looks like a chopper, you know.
2: <laughs> hey, do you uh, do you ever get – I mean, you you know, you go to these dealer shows, and you know, guys like me and these dudes just want to talk to you about RJ, the battles with RJ, and and the you know all these things back in the day, and and you go to this Unadilla rewind thing, and you probably don't stop talking the whole time, right, about everything that happened back in the day and your career, and does it do you, do you appreciate it more now, maybe a little bit? Like probably back in the day, you never ever thought like you'd still be. I mean, you're still signing autographs and stuff. Is is that pretty cool? that whole deal yeah i mean it's super
1: cool i mean i've been uh you know i grew up as a fan of motocross and and uh you know it was uh a dream come true to to be able to race and be a factory rider And like i've told you before just my dream to get on the cover of a magazine was like <laughs> right. when that happened it was the biggest thing in, in my life and then to be able to win championships and travel the world and make money and do all the stuff i did um and and yeah i mean it's uh you know it's a great sport and i'm still stoked to be part of it and be able to go out and do these things and and you know to sign autographs and talk to people and and i do appreciate it a little more now that i've grown older and mm-hmm. and you know i'm actually looking at it from a little different perspective now than i was you know when i was younger at uh you know, as everybody knows, I my mind was a little bit different back then, right, right. and now that I've grown up and can see it from a little different perspective, it uh, you know it is nice. It's and I and I enjoy it. I right. really do.
2: No, it's cool. You know, um, I see Wardy every weekend. He's working with Cole Sealy and Stanton was around a lot with Barsha. He hasn't been around this much or so much, but R.J. Blake Baggett's got R.J. working there with him. Um, so you still still see these guys around, and oftentimes I got like Glovers there. You know, at the races working for Dunlop. And I shake my head sometimes because I'm like, there's like RJ and Brock Glover and like whatever, like, yeah. and, but fans aren't walking by them or people aren't really noticing them or whatever. And I'm just always thinking to myself, these dudes were McGrath. These were Ryan Villapoto, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. it's just weird for me. I can't still. believe those
1: guys are still traveling and doing that <laughs> stuff every weekend. Yeah. It just it blows my mind that those guys still, I mean, like, cause Brock was at the, the rewind and he, you know, and I, my first year on Yamaha, I kind of Brock took me under under his wing, and mm-hmm. which was kind of the plan. And you know, I'd go over to his house and, and jump in with him, and I'd go to all the races and nationals, and because he knew where to go and all the tracks, and he was you know he'd already done it since seventy right. six right. or seventy seven or whatever. Whatever. And yeah. He already was a you know I call it like a pro at traveling. I mean, and that's where I learned all my ropes, and so. Mm-hmm. I got pretty good at the airline and how to get there and the first one to leave the track and what you do with the rental car. And I mean, we were just the masters of it. And, uh, now, now he's still the master about it, you know, and he's probably better than he ever was. And I'm like, where are you staying? He's like, Oh, I'm staying in Syracuse. And, you know, I ain't going down into, you know, there and you know they right, got no right. good hotels and they, he's got it all figured out. You yeah, know I'm yeah. like well shit I'm I'm old school now I haven't traveled yeah you know, I just I don't want to travel that much I did it and um, right it's just so much harder to travel and it just it's a lot tougher to do it these days but it amazes me that those guys like the and Morty and and RJ and and Brock I mean I can't believe they still travel the circuit well, week that's, in and week out I mean it's I was, just got to yeah. be a grind.
2: That's where I was going with this. So, obviously, you have the family business and Maxima, and you're pumped and happy. I know you spoke with J-Law a couple times, or some people tried to help you help J-Law. I don't even know if that counts. But have you ever thought or desired to be one of these dudes, helping these guys? Uh, I mean, I don't think so, but is it something you've ever thought about?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I've totally thought about it. A lot of people have tried to, you know, um, entice me and, and to get me and push me to do that and do schools and do different stuff. And I've done right. a few motocross schools in, in, you know, back I don't know five or six years ago, seven years ago.
0: Right.
1: And it just it's not my bag of tea, and um, you know, it's just it's not uh, not what I it's not what I desire to do. I mean, I wanna I wanna spend my weekends out on the golf course or fishing or spending time with my wife or. Right. You know, there's stuff I want to do now, and and traveling, and sitting in airports, and stuff like that, and rental cars, and all that shit. It's just, I mean, I don't mind doing it four or five times, six times a year, but that's right. about it.
2: Yeah, dude. Look, I've been I'm 96. I've been doing it since 96, and I'm getting to the point now where I'm going. Okay, what do we got? What's how do I stop going to the races and still make money?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of where, no, I hear you. You
2: know what I mean? Because it it does get yeah. to you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just it's like I said when I went, when I first started traveling. It, was, I mean, shoot, we'd get on the plane, we'd leave the house. You know, the flight was leaving in an hour. We'd be leaving. You know, twenty minutes down there, park the car, jump on the plane, and with ten minutes to go, and right. go to the back of the plane. And there was five, six empty rows, we'd lay down and go sleep. Yeah, yeah. You know, now there's, like, they just wedge the thing. It's just they've, they've, uh, no. I mean, yeah. And it's uh,
2: security and TSA, and yeah, forget it. Those days are over, right? Um,
1: Those days are way over, and it's just way, it's just too big of a hassle anymore. It's just not as fun as it used to be, and, you know, I understand the reasoning, and things have changed, but, you know, I've done it, and, mm -hmm. and I just don't desire to do it all the time.
2: Uh, btosports.com racer x podcast presented by fox racing we're talking to the dogger ron lachine here on the podcast show uh, listen to this commercial from racetech and uh, save yourself money there and we'll be right back with more ron lachine hey thanks for listening to the btosports.com racer x podcast presented by fox racing racetech people racetech.com these guys have been in business for over 30 years supplying racers riders and tuners with factory level suspension and everyday racer there's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Race Tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably 82.7 percent of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work. Whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love. Whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed. 2015. When you order, you can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. All right, and we're back. Racer X Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Ronnie Lachine. Hey, so the vet, the the, the England vet designation thing, would you go back and do it? Do you want to do it? Uh, what do you think mm, of that whole thing?
1: Yeah, I don't think uh, that's probably not on my list either. You know, All I right. went and did it, and um, – you know, I wasn't sure um, what I was getting into, and um, yeah. and it was the same kind of deal. I mean, I I really feel like if we'd have had a chance to go out and ride the bikes and get right. used to the bikes and. You know the the whole thing would have been a different story, and get a chance to shake them down. But I mean, we just showed up, and you know they didn't allow us to ride the bikes anywhere around the facility. And then it was like straight onto the track on race day, and you were getting timed. I mean, I you never rode the track, never (laughs) rode the bike, (laughs) and you go straight out onto the track, and you're 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 doing time to practice, and you know, those guys over there, they they race those bikes, and you know, mm-hmm. those Euros, they know those tracks, they know the, you know, and it's just, I mean, it's like throwing you to the wolves, you know. And, right, uh, right. I don't know, and it probably, you know, I look back on it, and, and it might have been a blessing in disguise, the crash that I did, because if it wouldn't have been that one, it might have been one worse later in the weekend, because it was a lot of racing. True. It was 4 20-minute motos on 500s, and the track got super rough, and, and right. You know, I mean, I I still ride um, a bit, but I don't really ride enough to be in shape to do four twenty-minute motos over a weekend. I don't think yeah. racing. Yeah, you know, I could probably I could ride four twenty-minute motos, you know, out <laughs> <I'll> practice <laughs> yeah, yeah, and stuff. Right. But racing and all that stuff, you know, it's just a total different story. And um, I think it was probably bit off a little more than I could chew there. I mean, right. like I said, I look back on it thinking. You know, I might have I might have ate shit somewhere later in the weekend when I was tired and going mm-hmm. faster and could have got hurt worse or, you know, so I just kind of look at it like maybe a blessing in disguise that it happened the way it did and I got out of there and, in one piece. Um, right. But it was super cool to go back to England and see the fans and, yeah. you know, I really like going to Europe because I did spend quite a lot of time over there and I do have a lot of fans in, over there and, you know, I just went and hung out at the race the track and, you know, they did some stuff. You know the beer tent and all that stuff mm-hmm. the night before the race and and just kind of smoozing with all the fans was was worth it for me.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Stanton told me I think you've you've told me this too. I'm sure, but I mean after the nationals, Stanton would hit a, hit the tr- hit the uh, the European circuit and be gone for two months, month and a half, uh, not altogether, but back and forth. But basically another another month and two months of racing to to make money and you know and you guys were killing it back on the day so like you spent a lot of yeah, time yeah him those guys you know in his you know around 93 94 95 i mean
1: the guys that were the top guys i mean i was making decent money but i was kind of i wouldn't say you know i was yeah. i wasn't the top guy i wasn't a national or supercross top guy at that time and those guys were making right. really big money i mean i could i could maybe make 10 i'm thinking those guys were making like 40 50 to just show yeah. up
2: yeah people don't understand you had this whole sub career after the after you broke your leg as factory cowie rider you took 1990 off you kind of came back raced a little west coast supercrosses but then like you had this career in Germany and 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 Bercy and these places and made some money still racing people were like oh he's he's retired he's done but you were still making money and racing
1: yeah it's funny because I see you know I see there's some of the races that I used to do pop up and that they cover them like Geneva right. and uh you know the, the Stuttgart and um Some of the other German supercrosses, Dortmund and, you know, and and back in my day, there was the Japan ones. I mean, the one year in Japan, I, you know, it was a, I think it was a Yamaha because Tokyo would be like Honda, Suzuki Mm -hmm. or no Honda, Yamaha honda cowie went to tokyo yamaha suzuki all the factory riders would go to osaka so it was like two different supercrosses and and i was a privateer so i'd do them both and the one year i beat Bradshaw and swink and all those guys um it was like 94 or 95 and i was a privateer and they were all riding works bikes and stuff so i did i did have a lot of good races in in europe and japan and spain and you know i like traveling and it kind of seemed for me over there at that time i mean i had such a um I screwed up record with the police and everything over here in <laughs> in America that I would I kind of felt like I had a clean slate over there and I could yeah go over there and have fun and not be getting chased down or thrown in jail or whatever.
2: Yeah, I saw your name in a Cycle News archive in like 95 and I mean I started as a mechanic in 96 and you were long gone sort of, you know what I mean? Thought of long gone over here and you Got fourth or third at some ra- some decent race in '95. I'm like, oh, look at Dogger, still pulling it in. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I went to that. There was that Pan Pacific uh, Supercross series, the first year they ever had the Fukuoka race. Right. I won that one, um, and it was all a bunch of guys from like Australia and New Zealand. It was like um, Eddie Warren and mm-hmm. Daryl. King and all those guys, and they were all over there, and I flew over from here and and won that thing. Yeah. I actually got a flat tire on about the 14th lap, and it was a Supercross, and I still won. (laughs) And, yeah, so I think, and that race actually became pretty big a couple years later, because I think we raced on the site where they were going to build the stadium, then they built this big Fukuoka Stadium, and then, you know, the guys like LaRocco and Kudrowski and Larry Ward and all those guys went back a few years later, and it was a pretty big Supercross. I don't remember what the purse was, but, right. yeah, it was good money. Like I said, I could get four or five grand to show up, and if I could win, I could make maybe another five and,
2: right. you
1: yeah. know, and, and uh, you know, try to get it get it back to home without yeah. paying tax, <laughs> tax on it.
2: Tax-free, I might say, tax-free also. Um, uh-huh. Hey, um, uh, um, did you ever ride any of those? Uh, in the new Racer X, we saw Tom Carson and uh, Mike Byer with the, the hard cross, wood cross things. Did you ever do any of those?
1: I did. You did? I did, I did one in, uh, in uh, where was it? Um, the Holland,
2: I think they are in Vienna, Austria. Oh, Austria, okay, yeah.
1: Vienna, Austria, I did one, and I rode like, a, I think it was like a KX 125 with street tires, and all the jumps were made out of wood, and the whoops <laughs> were like made out of, everything was made out of wood, and then you'd go up on the velodrome, and they had this, I remember they had this, uh... Uh, stuffed animal hanging over the finish line, which was a big table jump. And they said, you know, if you, every time you ring that thing or hit that thing, you know, we'll pay an extra 50 bucks or something. Right. And so I remember in my heat race, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get, the, you know, while I was whacking that thing every lap and stuff, And I think after the race, I'm like, Hey, where's my extra money for you know yeah. hitting the stuffed animal over the finish line every lap? And Uh-oh. I think they ended up giving me giving me the stuffed animal, but not the cash. But yeah, yes. I did. I did a. I yeah. think I only did one of those. Right. And I might have won my heat and stuff, but it was pretty tiring. I remember I was like, "Man, this is uh, <laughs> this stuff's not easy." Yeah, it Look. is a lot of work.
2: Hey, um, another thing too, I want to talk to you about. I, I've been reading a little bit of cycle newses and, and kind of some old magazines lately, and. Few people have it wrong. You you got arrested in Japan for having some weed, and Honda didn't let you race, and they dropped you. And it's kind of a common misconception that you were fired from Honda, and that's why you went to Cowie. But you were already signed with Cowie. You were leaving. And I think motocross history has it that Honda fired you, and you were on the streets. But not true.
1: No, that's not true. I know. Yeah,
2: That was actually,
1: I was going over there for my last official race with Honda. Yeah and i did have some marijuana in my bag and and i got caught in customs with it and uh they took my passport they took my the bag my carry-on bag that was in and something else and mm-hmm. they held that and they released me to um honda with the um under under the the notion that the president of honda was going to come back with me to get my passport and all that stuff Correct. the next day, like, or they let me in the. I think they let me into the country. Allow we going to allow me to race, but when I got to the air, when I got to the hotel, I think Honda talked and they were right. like, you know, we're going to fire this guy. Plus, they owed me I think twenty five thousand for the bonus part of the championship bonus that I got from winning the one twenty five championship that year. So
0: yeah,
1: um, obviously you know I breached the contract. So that night I found out that they were going to send me back home the next day. And but I had already signed my Kawasaki contract, so yeah, I was people, still
2: people think you you signed a three year million dollar deal with Cowie and you I mean you were out and I just it's one of those things that I'm like, no people he didn't Honda didn't Honda let him go from the last race, whatever, but he was going to Cowie anyways. There was it was a double. Yeah, deal, I was already
1: you know? going. Yeah, I'd already signed before that had happened um Which So yeah.
2: Which brings me to my next question. Were you ever talking to Honda about staying? were you ever thinking about it or was the money in the the 10 year from Cowie that that much better because you know hey in in 85 you narrowly missed the title um in in, in 250 class in 84 you won in 85 on 25s you almost won the supercross title uh certainly you were you know one of the world's best riders so i don't know if i ever got the story behind that what was it just the money at Cowie?
1: you know i um my dad was doing all of my mm-hmm. negotiations at the time right. and um you know, he felt it was the place to go. I mean, I think with Roy Turner, I don't think that my dad, looking back, I don't think my dad had different views of Honda and of the mechanic I had. Okay. And he was looking at it from a different angle than I was, and I was just kind of doing the ride and stuff and not so involved. And, yeah, yeah. And he was, like I said, he was my negotiator and, and taking care of all my finances and, and stuff And at that point, and, and he was – this is what we need to do you know the, okay and i think the money was was much better and um but going to the bot bi- you know the bikes you know looking back it's like man we left yeah, you know, yeah. they still had really good bikes in 86 and the stuff i was oh. riding in 86 was just terrible but um
2: yeah the stuff you know, um well and actually it wasn't just the Cowie stuff yamaha stuff suzuki hondas in 86 when the production rule came in were just so much better
1: yeah, yeah.
2: So it was the money, yeah. I think,
1: you know, was one of the main things. And I think my dad, um, you know, I think Roy Turner was a big part of it, too. I think my dad really liked Roy and thought Roy would be good for me. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they, he knew I was what was going on and the troubles I was having. And, and um, I think he thought that maybe Roy could help me out and, and push me in the right direction and maybe get me, like I said, steered onto the right road a little bit at that right. point in my life. Which didn't it didn't happen?
2: <laughs> it got it got maybe worse, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. It got worse. I mean, Roy was—I uh, really liked working with Roy, and Roy was great. But um, yeah, and the mechanics. I mean, I needed a little bit more of a mechanic that would push me a little harder. And you know, when they put me with Rick Ash, I mean, he was just too docile and yeah. you know and he still is kinda, he you know, still is yeah, yeah i mean he still is and, and i think it, it's better for me to have a guy that's gonna push me and stuff or right. i kind of get you know if i can get away with it i'm gonna get away with just whatever you know you needed
2: uh you needed lunis because by all accounts yeah he was yeah i don't know that would
1: have been I, i'm not sure i'd have liked that but it might have worked
2: <laughs> right exactly hey uh <laughs> um you know we, we've seen the j-law thing go sideways and austin stroop certainly has come and gone and had some issues and it's been more than a few guys that have done the quote unquote Ron Lachine act. I mean, maybe I don't think any of them ever as good as you. You know, as as, as famous as you, um, and because you still were winning, you still were doing well even though you had some issues off the track. But man, when you hear this stuff, dogger, and, and you know you you're still well connected in the industry, you got to think yourself. These kids, man, they just don't know. It just comes like it's it's thirty years later and the same shit is happening. Chicks, money. It's just you know. It we're in 2015 but it could be 1985 all over again
1: yeah it's, it's really hard to i mean it's really hard to control it especially when you get a little taste of it and if you have uh you know if you have an addictive personality like i did and mm-hmm. um you know just certain guys just you know moth to the flame and once it starts it's just so hard to uh it's so hard to change it or you know and you get in a pattern and you start getting away with stuff and when you're a when you're famous and you can get whatever you want, I mean, it just comes so easy and, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's destructive as hell, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Really. Right. I mean, you, you know, you hear some of this stuff and you're like, dude, wake up, <laughs> you got yeah. talent, you got, you know, you got an ability to make yourself money for the next 20 years or whatever. And, uh, and these guys can't do it. So it's, it's, yeah,
1: uh, it's, 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 uh, it's hard for me to, i mean i can totally understand it but then again i look back and it's like i you know i couldn't i couldn't seem to uh to yeah. figure it out for myself for a long time and it's just uh right. you know it's something you know it's just something that happens and it just it's going to keep happening and you know you see it in all all different uh sports and music and everything else yeah. i mean it's uh it's yeah you tough really to, you know the The fame and the drugs and all that stuff. I mean, once you mix all that stuff together, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty tough to get out of.
2: I had a few people tell me over the years. I think Peyton being one of them, and Brock being another one that they were still amazed that you were able to win. Like you were you were still able to win with what was going on. And Brock certainly had. He said Brock one time said, you know, he knew a lot of the people you were running with, and he heard stories. And you know, El Cajon's a small area, and he's just like the guy could still win though. No. I mean, yeah, you know he's
1: funny there was they did a thing at, at uh at the rewind last week we did the dinner thing and then uh you know they bring all the legends up and they do like a an open question thing from all the fans right. and stuff and uh and one of the guys asked me about, you know, I heard that you had work bikes at your and your garage when in the '80s and stuff. And you know, how did you, let, you know? And I heard you let your buddies ride them and stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I was lucky enough to, you know, Honda loan. You know, I had a '84 work bike in my garage, and I'd let my buddies ride it. And I could hear Brock out under under his breath say, "Yeah, I wish I was one of your buddies at that time." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Brock riding the garbage Yamahas.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, he had those pieces of shit air cooled you or whatever. <laughs> they were. I could hear him under my breath. to the right, yeah. I was wishing I was one right. of his buddies. Then. Yeah.
2: Hey. Yeah. No, yeah. But not to get like dramatic, But in a way, I mean, are you at, at your worst? Uh, I mean, are you lucky to be alive at your worst point? Do you feel like like oh, back in the of day? Course. Yeah. Like I mean, did oh, it get? Yeah. It got. Ba- it got that bad, huh?
1: Oh god. I mean it's yeah, I'm definitely very right. very lucky to be alive and not you know maybe not so much from overdosing or anything like that but just all the all the craziness with driving going along with right. driving and just you know all the crazy shit that we did. I mean I did there was just there was no turn off switch. I mean Right. You know, I think I had a pretty good handle on, you know, how much of the drugs I could use without overdosing, and I never, like I said, I never used any heroin or anything like that. It was always just coke and... And weed and stuff like that, but um, yeah. you know, I, I thought I had a pretty good handle on how much I could take of that, so you know i wouldn 't you know, I never bought like a ton of it and just kept doing it for days and days and days, okay,
0: yeah, I to yeah, right. kill
1: myself right. you know I would always try to just get enough to make it through a day and then i 'd have to sleep and eat, and then i 'd just do it over. I had like a repetition, but yeah, the other parts of it you know the craziness right. with driving and all that stuff i mean there 's just numerous times where i mean something that if just a couple inches could have been. Yeah. changed the whole world you know and I look at it now that I'm older and um, you know how fragile life is and it's just amazing to me that that the chances I took and the stuff that I did and I'm, I'm still standing here
2: who's the most famous person you partied with back in the day Oh
1: God <laughs> I almost said somebody but I'm not gonna say that.
2: Oh, okay. Um <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I wasn't much
1: of a partier li I mean, uh, Scott Sepkovic. How about
2: uh, that? <laughs> uh, that? I don't know if that counts. I don't know if that counts, but uh the yeah.
1: Hollywood. I was just talking to Aldo this week, he was in my office, we were talking about Sepkovic. Oh uh, he's big time over in, in Italy and stuff. And he's, he's, yeah. I threw that out there. sorry, Rip Rock.
2: Right. Hey, um <laughs> Why were you looking at your career wins? And we'll wrap this thing up here, looking at your career wins, you have Pontiac and Seattle Supercross wins all over the place. And we talked earlier about how, you know, the the France track was just like the alcohol and Carlsbad hard pack, and that's what you grew up on. So why in the hell did you have so many great Seattle and Pontiac wins where the ruts were three feet deep? What do you what do you attest that to? What do you? What? I guess I could maybe maybe attest that
1: to maybe on the track that I grew up that I still race a lot um, or ride out a lot today. Barona Oaks, um, it develops on. ruts. Barona doesn't,
2: doesn't get Pontiac and Seattle ruddy.
1: Yeah, but it, the way they used to the way they used to uh, prep it and stuff back when I was riding 80s and 100s and 125s, I grew up kind of racing. They prepped it a lot different back then than they do now. And, okay, All you right. know, I had long legs and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. God, I did have some really good races at oh God, at, yeah, um, Seattle. And I mean, the one year I just I damn near lapped everybody. I was killing them, but right, you know, I
2: had really good bikes and um, and I That's and crazy. I like the ruts. I I still do like the ruts. Yeah, I mean, you obviously were good at them because there's no no mistake that these races. Either if you didn't, and if you didn't win, you were on the podium. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's it's definitely no, not 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 a coincidence. I wouldn't think.
1: Yeah, no, I I la- always liked uh, Pontiac, and like I said, I did really well in Seattle. But then I looked back, and then there was. Years like you know, 89, and I mean, I you know, maybe if it was at the end of the year, I'd done better, raced myself into shape.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, right? Well, hey, uh, Ronnie Sheen from Maxima Oils, uh, Unadilla Rewind talk, and a uh, little bit about your career. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I love I getting you together every now and then and busting these out for the fans and hearing you bench race. And, and I'm glad you're still riding at Unadilla. That sounds like a cool event. I saw photos and, you know, Dowdy and yourself and Stratton. and Yeah, a real cool deal. So uh, thanks, man. Thank you for doing this.
1: Yeah, well, I'm always glad to come on board with Pulp and do uh, do some interview and chat with you. And uh, I appreciate all you do for the sport and and uh, look forward to seeing you. Thanks,
2: dog. I appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll talk soon. See
1: ya. All right, buddy. See ya. Peace out. Later. This has been the BTO podcast show presented by Fox racing. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts.
0: As the days and, the and the years go.